What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Inside the Pylons. I am your host, Marcelo Unda. Thank you for joining me again this week. Sorry I missed out putting an episode last week. I had some technical difficulties starting to try to learn how to use GarageBand and wasn't able to work out the way I wanted to. So I'm um, just going back to the to how I was doing it before and maybe I can learn how to use that and put some additional edits and things of that nature into my podcast. But thank you for listening. Sorry about the mishap last week, but you know we'll keep the show going. So uh, let's recap last week. New Orleans goes on down to Jacksonville, and they win 13-6. Defense holds off another win for the Saints on the road, uh, basically eliminating or holding off anything uh, that the Jacksonville Jaguars offense uh, seemed to be what they wanted to do. Leonard Fournette was held down to 72 yards rushing, um, and Gardner Minshew only with 163 yards passing with an interception. So good job for the defense. Cam Jordan came up and stepped up. He had two sacks, um, and also Lattimore was the one with the interception. One of the highlights, too, because Lattimore also shouted DJ Chark and limited DJ Chark to three catches for 43 yards. So kudos to the Saints defense. They played outstanding. Um and they were able to limit the opportunities for Jacksonville to get into this game. It seemed like that Jacksonville could not get things going, and the Saints just eliminated anything that they were wanting to do, which was outstanding. On the on the opposite side of the ball, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, 24 for 36. Good day. Uh, 240 yards and a touchdown. Nothing uh too crazy, you know, kind of he had his 300-yard game two weeks ago um, against Tampa Bay, but, you know, now he had a a subpar game. Uh, This is what he's going to be like, going to be a game manager, try not to turn the ball over, move the offense, allow the playmakers to uh, make plays and try to get get points on the board. Uh, Alvin Kamara was going into the game with an ankle injury. He did get hurt initially at the very beginning of the game with a knee injury. He did come back and play for most of the game. Uh, he finished with 11 carries and 31 yards. He had seven catches for 35 yards. So he did get his touches. He was limited, I guess, is what he could do. Um, so, And they're also saying that he's dealing with an ankle and knee injury this week. Um, the Saints did bring in Zach Zenner, who was a running back, um, part of the Detroit Lions where uh, Lomb- one of our offensive coaches, Lombardi, was um, part of the staff back then a couple years back. So I do think now it's going to be time to gear up Latavius Murray. I think for this game, I think the Saints are going to hold back on Alvin Kamara, allow him to heal an extra week and get ready for next week when they're back at home. So, um, but that's just my my prediction uh, as well. Michael Thomas, as far as going back to this game, he had eight catches for 89 yards. Um, there was a play where Teddy Bridgewater missed a wide open. Uh, Michael Thomas just did not put the ball where it needed to be. It was more to the uh, more outside um, where Michael Thomas was far from reach. Had Teddy Bridgewater maybe thrown it up more, maybe towards the pylon, it would allow Michael Thomas to run underneath it and get to the ball. Um, and it was a tough break because that would have uh, definitely been an addition you know, to the offense as far as keeping our lead up ahead. Um, but hopefully they can work on those timings and you know when they're down in the red zone because those are opportunities that we need to score points, especially when it gets 
in close games like this when our when it's going to be a defensive game, and we're going to rely, we're going to need touchdowns. I feel like that's one of the struggles that the Saints have had um, in recent weeks, especially with Drew Brees out, is that when they're in the red zone, they're having to rely on field goals. Um, I'm sure that all Chomp Coach Payton is putting an emphasis on that and making sure that the red zone offense is efficient and that we're scoring touchdowns when in that area. And hopefully that's not a, that's something that doesn't bite us in the in games later in the season. Um, so I uh, wanted to point out some other additional news. I know that brought up Alvin Kamara, but an addition that came out this week was P.J. Williams was going to be suspended for two games for substance abuse. Um, essentially this is, was uh, the two games is for him pleading guilty for his charges that back in January where he was charged for DUI. He ended up taking a plea deal, uh, pleading guilty to uh, reckless operation. And so now this is part of his, uh, um, I guess you can say, he's part of his uh, suspension. So they this was known to be coming. We just didn't know when. It's effective immediately. So um, in comes in Patrick Robinson, um, the, who they signed uh, to not yeah not this past year but the year before that he didn't get to play at all last season um, and you know it just it just sucks because PJ Williams and this defense were gelling so well and I, I'm sure Patrick Robinson's going to be able to come in and, and make plays um, and he's gonna he's gonna have a lot of workload on him because um, some of the keys to this game uh, for this defense is going to have to be able to contain the wide receivers and these these uh these uh gadget type players who are fast and who can get out you know who can make people miss and get out in the open field for yards after the catch talking about taylor gabriel anthony miller Tariq cohen you know those are the type of players that are going to try to make some plays for this for this um i'm sorry chicago offense so uh but i think the rest of the defense should be sound and i think they're going to be ready to play this one so we can go ahead and get into that game Saints actually entered the game uh, as uh, uh, three-point underdogs. Uh, they go to Chicago, and um, here how they rank. Obviously, Chicago is known for their defense. They rank. Uh, they have the fifth best defense amongst the NFL. Uh, New Orleans, you know, defense ranks at 14th. Uh, against the pass, Chicago ranks six. Obviously, that has a lot to do with their pass rush, Khalil Mack. Now, they did lose Akeem Hicks on the front line. He's out for the rest of the year, uh, so they'll have a void there in the middle of the field, especially, you know, so that should be effective for us in the run game offensively. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that part, too, as well. So on our pass de- uh, defense, we rank 13th in the league. Rushing defense, Chicago ranks 8th. New Orleans ranks 16th. Um, so, you know, obviously Chicago ranks very high, all within the top 10 defensively. I think that has a lot to do with their, with, uh, their cornerback play, Eddie Jackson. He's the real deal. That guy's really good. He can make a turn, a turn an interception and go for six points. Khalil Mack obviously can turn, uh, is a turnover machine. He can get after the quarterback. I think that's going to be important that Teddy Bridgewater protects the football at all times in the pocket and be aware where 52 is now ryan ramchuk i think he's gonna be he's gonna have a lot of work ahead of him obviously he's gonna but i think that uh you know i don't think i would want any other tackle to be at that position to be able to protect so and he did outstanding against jj watt and uh he's also done very well this season so i think ryan ramchuk's gonna have uh his hands full but i think he's gonna be up for the task 
Uh, switching over to the opposite side of the ball, how we compare offensively. So this is where you could see where um, we may have the upper hand in this game. Chicago has the 26th ranked defense. I'm sorry, 26th ranked offense, where New Orleans is 16th. They have the 14th. Uh, they're 14th ranked in passing. We're ranked ninth, and in rushing, we're 22, and they're 27. And then, you know, like, like I've always made the argument, yeah, we're ranked really low in rushing because we don't technically run up the middle. We don't have a power runner person, you know, that we're going to hand the ball off 20 to 25 times. That's not how our offense works. A lot, technically, we get our rushing yards on the flats and screens to get our uh, speed running backs on out in the open and get mismatched with the linebackers to get, you know, on first down, second down, those types of six-yard six gains or four-yard gains through the air instead of through the ground. You can make the argument that Chicago's similar. Matt Nagy and his offense, he wants to get the ball moved around. Um, he's, he's Tariq Cohen. It was actually part of that Alvin Kamara draft. Uh, Tariq, Co- I mean, Tariq Cohen was drafted after Alvin Kamara, um, but I think that they have a similar role. And we've I, we've all seen Tariq Cohen uh, take one, you know, the distance. So he's very capable. And so that's kind of what, where I see that it's going to be important that for 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 the Saints to win this game is keeping containment on players like Tariq Cohen, Taylor Gabriel, and Anthony Miller. Keep those people in front of you because if we're technically we play a zone defense, we want to be able to, when they get the ball, get to them, make tackles, and if possible, force the ball out. You know, hopefully that these these uh, these these uh, offensive players, you know, they may not, they may just be excited to be a part of their game plan finally where they're matching up against the Saints defense. But the opportunity may be, may be there where Marshawn Lattimore can strip one out or Eli Apple can punch it out. You can see it every game. These these DBs are hungry for for uh, for strips. And you, it, it, Marshawn Lattimore almost had one. Eli Apple punched one out back in Seattle. I mean, it's there, and they're going to be hungry for it. So it should be exciting, and I think that – Patrick Robinson as well. He's been a part of this defense. He knows what's going on, been a part of this group for a long time. So I think that he's going to be ready to step in and fill this role quite uh, quite well. Also, my, okay, so another key to the game defensively I'd like to bring up is the pass rush. So Chicago has allowed 13 sacks this year. Uh, they just lost their starting right guard in Kyle Long to the IR. So I think that our front four is going to have to get to the quarterback, whether it be Mitch Trubisky or Chase Daniel, Hey, is this going to be a revenge game? This Chase Daniel returns and tries to face his former team and head coach, and so it should be exciting to see, you know, what he's, you know, well, it's not going to be really exciting because one, Chase Daniel is not the type of quarterback that's going to be able to move the ball down the field, but I think that our pass rush can get after him, uh, possibly, may possibly force some plays. It seems like he's been forcing a lot of his plays to. Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson's been having a great year so far this year, um, but you know, with Marshawn Lattimore facing up against him, and he's doing playing so well lately as well, you know, it's possible that if he just throws one up to him, we may have a safety over overlooking over on the top. Maybe Marshawn Lattimore makes a play on a ball, and then you know, that's another turnover. So I do expect you know multiple turnovers in this game. I would say possibly one or two fumbles or one or two picks, um, and in various you know, those uh, ways, and possibly if we can get, get one of those take to the house, very beneficial against this defense, especially helping our offense out and getting points. Uh, offensively, um, 
the way I see this game, obviously with the injury to Alvin Kamara, it's going to limit our, you know, the the yards after the catch with the way we run, how we like to move our offense. So I do think that we're going to transition into a power run game. Um, I think this will be the Latavius Murray game where he'll have a lot heavier workload. Also catch some passes in the backfield as well. And I think you're going to see a lot of 12-man sets, a lot of tight end, fullback packages. We're going to have, let's say, for instance, if Ryan Ramchek can't contain Khalil Mack one-on-one, then we're going to have to keep these tight ends in on the offensive line, make the extra blocks, or have the fullbacks come in and make the blocks up in, within the, uh, in the linebackers if we're going up in the middle. So I do think that... The Saints will run the ball up the middle and try to get past the second second tier of the linebackers, and I think that we'll also have to we'll set up tight, which will allow us to play action, maybe get the ball deep down to Ted Ginn, open up the field to Jared Cook in the in the middle of the field, and then also Michael Thomas. Obviously, he's going to have to he's going to have to be great. This I, I, we're going to have to need we're going to need him to move the chains and get involved in this offense, which I I believe that they will. He's been consistent since day one even with the injury to drew Brees, he's still been consistent so i have no doubts that michael thomas will will be come be, yeah, be prepared to come play and show out and make sure that this offense is still moving especially while we we have a big game here against chicago that can have some playoff implications later All right, so let's go ahead and uh, break down the power rankings. So since last week I didn't get to put out the episode that I did uh, for week five, I'll start off with my week five rankings and then tell you what my week six rankings are. So my week five rankings, my top ten, starting off was with New England. I had the Saints moving up to number two after the win against Tampa Bay, winning at home, winning big. I think they solidify themselves that these that this team is still uh, can still be a playoff contending team without Drew Brees. You know, at first I thought you know we were going to be able to maintain uh, the boat afloat, but you know what? I was it's, it's exciting to see that the Saints continue to perform over well. So I had San Francisco at three, Green Bay at four, and Kansas City at five. That was when Kansas City lost their very first game against the Colts. So I moved them down from two to five. Seattle was six, Buffalo seven, Dallas, Minnesota, and the Rams finish out the bottom. So Dallas had just lost again. Um, I can't remember who they lost to, um, but they lost their second game. The Rams lost as well. Like they lost. A, um, I want to say that was to Seattle when they lost, and then um, so they moved down. Minnesota was able to continue to rain on. So the the five looking in was Detroit, Houston, Philly, Chicago, and Baltimore. I wasn't really sold on Baltimore. I'm still not sold on Baltimore, but they're still lingering in there. Um, they still can compete. Houston is, is, was one of those teams that I wasn't really sure about. Um, but, you know, based off their record and, you know, their quality of wins, you know, that's where I kind of had them at. So going into now – after week six, going into week seven, this is what my top ten looks like. I have New England at one, San Francisco at two. Yes, I have San Francisco jumping New Orleans. I actually, have New Orleans at three. Uh, they won it, since New Orleans won a tight one against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but San Francisco goes to Los Angeles and shuts down the Los Angeles Rams offense. Sean McVay had been 
uh, had I think been three and one with whenever he has more than ten days to prepare for a game, and uh, for San Francisco to go in there and completely destroy Jared Goff and the rest of that offense, it was uh, very impressive. They still remain undefeated, so I'm, that's where I'm going to have them ranked at. And depending on how this week goes, I'll see how because they have the Redskins this week, and depending on how the Saints do against Chicago, we'll see how the how where they tear up. So have Seattle at four and Green Bay at five. Uh, had Green Bay go down one after Monday night, I was really disappointed how the refs handled that game late in the fourth quarter. Obviously, I don't have a rooting interest. I don't have any players on my fantasy team or anything like that. So, like, I was just watching the game for, you know, just for pure entertainment. The, the Detroit Lions had control of this game for mo- for the entirety of the game. Every, t- think, every time I looked up, it seemed like the Detroit Lions were on pace, you know, to ha- handle this one and lock up a W. Um, and then the fourth quarter came. You had the hands-to-the-face call that wasn't there. Later in the drive, um, so that basically automatic first down, and then the same thing, same penalty can't cost them on a third down to extend the drive again, um, and then the drive. I want to say before the the Packers were able to close to seal the win with the game winning field goal, you had the the clear pass interference call that was that should have been called on Green Bay but wasn't, um, and at this point, how close the game was. Maybe it should have uh, the Lions head coach, Matt Patricia, call a pass interference uh, challenge. Well, it could have been very costly because he would have had, if he not had it not been overturned, he would have lost a timeout, which which eventually was essential to, you know, for them trying to stop the clock later in the game, which I can see now in hindsight why he didn't challenge it. And knowing that what the referees have been doing this past year, not they're not overturning any calls. And um, so I understand his risk there, but it was just—it's just like, man, the officials have been so bad, and it really, it really disappointed me. The outcome of that game, the Green Bay Packers did not deserve to win that game. That was the Detroit Lions game to win, and obviously it cost them the positioning in their inner division. So I mean, uh, Green Bay offensively did not perform well. They managed to get a, a, few, a touchdown late in the game to kind of keep them in it. But I I think that I mean technically I'm not I'm not convinced with Green Bay. I mean they're going to be very good. They're obviously have Aaron Rodgers, but I think that they can be exposed and they may not even make it out with this division because the division is so tight. Um, So uh, at number six I have Minnesota. Uh, Seven I have Buffalo. Houston at what is that eight and then Kansas City and then Chicago. So Houston goes on the road and beats Kansas City. Um, a very impressive win. You know, it looked like Kansas City was going to get up early and take a lead, and it's a typical Kansas City game. But Houston hung in there, and they were able to score points and outscore and outduel Mahomes. So it was it was an outstanding game, um, and you know, for them, a good a good good quality win. Kansas City, I mean, they're kind of slipping down in the rankings, uh, just back to back losses. I know that Patrick Mahomes is playing banged up. Hopefully he can get back healthy and you know he can get back to his old self. But um, the rest of the the AFC is you know tr- is trying to claw themselves back and you know it's going to call these games now are going to cost them later in the seeding for the playoffs. Then I have Chicago at ten. They had a bye week, but I do think that they still they still have um, a quality win against Minnesota. They um, 
you know, they did lose before their bye, but I still think they're pretty good. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. Obviously, they have New Orleans next. All right, so the five that I have outside looking in, I have Carolina. I have Indianapolis. The Colts, they were on bye. They didn't play anybody, but I still like that team. They have that Kansas City win as well under their belt. I have Baltimore. I have Detroit. I still think Detroit's a good team, good defensive team. Um, you know, obviously they didn't do as they didn't do too well offensively, but that's credit to the Packers defense. But I do think that this Detroit team is fairly good. Um, now we'll see if they can get the wins that they need to see if they can make a playoff run, or you know if if it slips out of their hands and then they start to dwindle down. Then I have Dallas. I mean, Dallas ended up losing uh, to the New York Jets. They had no business of losing to the New York Jets. Um, it just they've lost three straight since they've played the Saints and but they were in this position that they were before last year there's there's still a chance that they could still win this division I mean they could still they could go on a run like they did last year before they still have a good quality team I think once they get themselves straightened out on offense I think a lot of that's going to get fixed the defense needs to play better it doesn't seem like they still don't have any type of defensive back that can make create turnovers or you know or uh, cover their cover other uh, opponents wide receivers. So uh, it should be interesting there. Um, some of my biggest followers I had the Rams at sixteen. Um, who else do I have? Um, I have Cleveland falling out. They're not even in my top twenty. They just keep losing. They can't seem to find to win football games. Um, Let's see. I moved the Jets up only two. They're still in the bottom tier. Atlanta is in my bottom tier. Tennessee is in my bottom tier. I moved Tampa Bay down. They're ranked at what looks like to be 24th, 23rd, something like that. They just they, Jameis Winston just keeps turning over the football. Um, it's a matter of time. I think that Ryan Griffin should get be get ready. I think that if it's they start having multiple turnover games by Jameis Winston, then you're going to start seeing Ryan Griffin go out there. I don't know if it makes it much better, but they need to get the ball get the ball more involved with Mike Evans. Um, and they, I mean, they could. The thing is that they have an opportunity to to be in games, and then they end up losing it. And um, Tampa Bay just keeps turning the ball over. So, but those are my rankings there. Um, those are some the top tier. It's kind of where it all kind of shook up for me the most. Um, there's a lot of two and four teams that kind of just mixed up. I did move Pitt, Pittsburgh up a whole lot more, maybe about eight spots, just because of the quality win against the Chargers moving up to two and four. Uh, I, uh, Los Angeles Chargers, man, I had them at. Uh, looks like at 20, I have them now at 25. They just keep slipping in my rankings. I don't know what's going on with them. But last year they did go on a run to get into the playoffs. Um, I think they had the leadership there, but I think the injuries on defense is going to limit to them. Their offensive line is not very good. And, you know, they think that they can run the ball with Melvin Gordon, but unfortunately with those uh, deficiencies on the offensive line, then they're not going to be able to be effective with running the football. And so they're going to have to rely on Phillip Rivers, which Phillip Rivers, uh, I mean, he hasn't been very effective throwing the football down the field and getting it to his wide receivers. So that's the rankings for my – those are the rankings that I have for the NFL, my top ten. Looking forward to this game. I think that for the Saints being that they're three points underdogs, I think that 
they can prove to win this game, playing a defensive game. They can get the win. They can get the win on the road. This team is built to travel on the road, so I think the Saints win 17-13. Uh, I think it's gonna be a close game the whole way. It's gonna be very intense. Um, I'm gonna be excited to see how we compare against their defense with our offense, and how you know our defense compares with their offense. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game overall. And so for that, who that? You guys have a good weekend. Enjoy your football.